Hello, welcome to Property Nomads. We've got a special treat for you today. Um, our guest has got a plethora of knowledge when it comes to uh, property and it comes to life insurance and it comes to you know, all sorts of things to do with protecting your wealth for the short, medium and long term. Uh, Adrian has over 10 years experience working internationally for the largest investment and corporate banks in the world, such as NatWest, Barclays, RBS, UBS, HSBC, and he's also been a financial consultant for Bloomberg, Visa, Accenture, and I think it's De is it Deloitte, I think that's how you pronounce Deloitte, it. Yeah. Uh, he now specialises in financial protection, where he helps property investors like you and like myself uh, protect themselves, their families, and their businesses. He helps people pass on generational wealth in a tax-efficient manner. Uh, in a tax-efficient manner. I am normally shocking at doing my intros and that's another example apologies for that um adrian but uh welcome to property nomads how are you thank you i like the intro appreciate that <laughs> no problem at all i so i normally i normally butcher them um we're actually going to do a two-part series uh so this episode is going to be focused on uh, sort of more of the generic family life planning and then in a later episode we'll focus more specifically on property related bits and bobs um before we get cracking on with family life strategies, is there anything else you'd like to add to that bio that I've just read out? No, I think that that all that all makes sense, really. And we can go through how I was corporate, got into property, and then how I found myself in the realm of financial protection. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, you started with a financial background. You then sort of meandered into property, uh, and then you're doing what you're doing now. So just put a, a bit more meat on the bones if you can. That would be fantastic. Yeah, so when I was, I think, 20 years old, I was like, I was always fascinated by business and like, how does money work? So I just thought, we'll work for a bank. That was my logic. I was like, they they print money, so go learn from them. So I rocked up to NatWest and I said, any issue you're having in the, in the branch, like I'll work for free and I'll just do it to help you out because I just want to learn. And the branch manager was, was kind of shocked. He's like, you really want to work for free? I'm like, well, yeah, you're the biggest, you know, bank in the UK at NatWest. At the time, I just I just want to learn. I don't mind doing it. So I, I helped him out on a project he was struggling with, just learned loads of experience about how a retail bank operates. Um, great experience. And then the next month, I worked for Barclays Corporate. So seeing companies that turn up to over 50 million a year. And then the year after, when I graduated from university, I did the Mountain Batten internship where I did investment banking for UBS um, in 2009 to kind of mid crash, which is kind of there's some listeners who've done property for a while. You'll remember the crash. Um, so it was an amazing experience to see number one, how does an investment bank work? Two, being in New York, and three, it's a Swiss bank as well. So you know, completely different cultures to, to here. And then when I came back to the UK, I worked for Royal Bank of Scotland in the invoice finance division. So again, if businesses ask for for loans or funding, you know, we're, I was part of the team where you know we'll check the reasons why, and and you know we'll we'll do checks on you, and then they're not loan the money out. And then I worked for Accenture um, Consulting for HSBC. So when the crash happened, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, the reason why that crash happened was because investment bankers were. How do, I, how do I word this? Not, they were kind of, there was a lack of risk, basically. Uh -huh. So they were using okay. our normal money and they were kind of gambling it. 
So the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK said, look, if the investment bank wants to do that, you can't use general public funds. So we're going to separate it. So we're going to have the investment bankers there. So if you guys want to be reckless, if you crash, that's on you and everyone else is, is safeguarded. So we set up a new HSBC um, ring fence bank 2016. So that was good experience to see the mistakes from a corporate level of why the crash happened and then working you know, with HSBC to fix that. So my background's kind of been all financial risk. And then when I got into property, I had a deal sourcing company and all property investors want three things, rental income, Mm-hmm. capital appreciation mm-hmm. and then third passing it down to the next generation mm-hmm. third bit no one knows how to do it no one like people say they do like they don't so i kind of find a, a gap in the market if you would kind of say so i yeah. understand what property investors do i've done loads of property training and my own sourcing firm that I, that I set up i'm like well if you're working really hard to buy these properties and making sure you keep it in the family you need to be aware of you know the end bit which is you know, tax, inheritance tax and things like that. So that's why I specialize in now. I love, uh, one thing I would say on that, I love how you got started. So literally walking into NatWest and going, you know, I'm, I'm here to learn. I want to learn. Um, I'll do that for free. Uh, and I didn't think many people would have the um, initiative necessarily to do that. So I'll, I'll put my hands up to you and say, well done for that. Um, in terms of then, uh, family life plan i've got to be careful with my questions because it's very easy for me to sort of swing into swing into property because we're going to focus on that in a different episode can you give me some examples of family life planning things that people don't think about but they need to think about and then how they can get started on that yeah so uh, the most basic one um having a life insurance policy so whether you own a property or not everyone should have life insurance because without you being there, like financially is going to have a big impact on the family. So let's say, for example, you win £50,000 a year. We're going to gross it to make the figures easy. 10 years, you've actually brought home half a million pounds, right? Pre-tax. That's a massive hit for someone else to survive financially. And then especially they've got children. That's why that's massive. The reason why life insurance is linked to mortgages is because that is a big debt. And as you know, with with all your properties, at the bottom of every mortgage statement, if you cannot keep up with your repayments, your property can and, re, can and will be repossessed. Mm-hmm. Block capitals, that's just standard across the industry. No one looks at that. <laughs> no, I was like, what's my rental income? How has it gone up by? Do you know what I mean? Which I kind of get. But because I've had that corporate experience of like risk and we just get that drilled into us, I want to basically share that awareness with general public and, and you know property people as well. So getting the life insurance, um for an amount that you feel is appropriate um getting a will as well that just you know says who gets what and why there's structure and then at trust i get a lot of people ask me about trust it depends what assets you have sometimes it's not you know needed um but if you do have like a complex portfolio of property businesses cash then yeah i would i would say get a trust and, and speak to someone that specializes in that but um the most basic form, get life insurance, get a will. That's just the bare basics. In, in terms of life insurance, uh, I'm going to sort of play devil's advocate here. But I'm just trying to, you know, you, you know from your experience in property and myself as well, I'm just thinking that from people that are a bit lazy or are not, you know, don't always think about these things, some people might say, well, actually, 
all the rental income that I receive, that, that is my life insurance. Why would I then want to take out life insurance? What's your, what's your position on that? What's your response to that? Oh, so the rental income, that's great for when you're alive. But when you pass away, if the people that are left behind, if they're not business-minded and savvy, because remember that rental income is covering the interest mm. of that property, you still have a big balloon payment in 25, 30, 35 years. And if there is another crash, we, we've been saying this for how many years, what, 20 years? Or <laughs> whatever. If you're is and you're in negative equity and you've got a big portfolio in a massive hole. So from my experience in the bank, you've always got to protect yourself. So, so Robert, if you came to me for a mortgage, mm-hmm. I'd say, yeah, that's fine. But if you don't, you know, pay it, my insurance on you is taking that property back off you. So as a lender, I'm protected. And a lot of buy-select lands that are listening, you some instances you need buildings insurance or else you can't get a mortgage. But why are you paying the building insurance when the lender still owns the asset? Right? No one questions that. Oh, that's blowing, that's blowing my mind. That's a very good point. I didn't because about that. why... As me as a lender, like I own your property, right? Because you're renting it with the mortgage, right? Until you pay it all off. I own the asset, but why are you paying for it? But it's just because it's just standard. No one's challenged it, but I'm thinking, well, that's wrong because you technically still own it. Yeah, I've never thought of it quite like that. I guess but this is a part of the point of having having you on is to uh, you know use your corporate experience, use your corporate background, and and almost challenge the narrative and and to get people thinking that's really the important thing for from these podcasts mm-hmm. can we get people thinking and then do we get people to take action um mm-hmm. and you know set up a call we'll go through that at the end uh, um, and whatnot so okay so from so we've got life insurance uh which again as you quite rightly said if you've got kids or you've got a spouse or whatever and they're not business minded or they might not want to be involved in in the property business at any point then fine so protection in place for them fine uh, a will yeah absolutely that that to me is a brainer but as you said there's probably going to be a lot of people listening to this that you know haven't thought of that uh, and then trusts yes depend on the situation but that's always worth a chat with someone to explore because i imagine uh that from previous podcasts and speaking to people there's all sorts of um uh funky ways to be tax efficient we say uh, that are perfectly legal uh well, you know that i should stipulate that you know there's as long as it's legal it's absolutely fine um yeah. is there anything else from your experience that you think people in general don't think about that they should think about yeah so when you said at the beginning the long-term middle and the short term a lot of people go to the long term. So having life insurance, you know, obviously it's it's the right thing to do. It's smart. But what about you while you're alive? So for me, there's four pillars of protection and people just go to the life insurance where it's a bit cliche, but health is wealth, right? If you're not healthy, you can't work, you know, get an income that's massive. And I get you might have a portfolio and it's brackets passive. You're still liable for that company. If anything goes wrong, it's on your head. So it's it's a nice to have, but you know, make sure you you got the um, protections in place. So for me, private medical is absolutely huge. Um, NHS is doing an amazing job, but there's a lot of people, and a lot of people are waiting. So if you get private medical, you're actually helping the NHS because you're coming out of the queue. You're freeing space up if you can afford it. So, but it's just we're not really aware of that. I lived in America, and I think. I got some painkillers for a bad back. I was like $100. 
Wow. That's 2009. So in the UK, we have no idea how much medicines and, and medical treatment costs because we relied on the NHS so much. So people don't understand how much it costs. If you have brain surgery, like, I don't know, that's going to be tens of thousands, right? But, you know, if you're on an NHS, you might have a wait. And, you know, with health, you know, speed is really important to get seen by the correct person. So I'm always going to put private medical ahead of everything, like your health, forget the money. Second thing, your ability to earn an income. So there is, if you are off work for any medical reason, so it could be bad back, stress, depression, anything, as long as you've got a signed GP certificate, you can get a monthly income. The reason why that's important, especially for self-employed people, you don't want to be dipping into your savings, right? All these products are there, so you don't have to dip into it. So if you get, Robert, if you get hit by a bus and you can't work ever again, you can still receive a monthly income. So that's really, really important. I think after COVID, more people are aware of their finances and their health. So that is a product that more and more people want. Um, the medium term, so critical illness, the main um, critical illnesses are cancer, heart attack and stroke. So we see people running marathons in the UK. One in two of us is unfortunately going to get cancer. Like They're just the stats. And if you are unfortunate to have that, you're going to need time off to just get your head around the situation. So if you have a good job and you're employed, they might give you sick pay, which is great. But that sick pay is going to end at some point because, you know, you're not working. So if you have your own critical illness cover, you could say, look, I'm going to take a year, two years off, or I'm going to go on holiday. I want to spend more time with my family, or I want to get, you know, medical treatment abroad. That might cost a bit. That's what that policy is for. So that's medium term. And then finally, the life insurance is the longer term and, your spouse, your partner, your kids, future generations as well. And what I like about life insurance from a property perspective, because properties have gone up so much in the last 10, 20 years, it's getting, let's say your children or your grandchildren, where's the deposit money coming from, right? I saw a stat in the, for America, they said you need to average £100,000 to afford a house now because cost of living, I hate that term, has been going on too much this year. But it's true. So... That's why I'm getting people to think, even if you don't have a property, that that one life insurance policy could be a massive thing. And you can stipulate, I would like the money to go towards my children or grandchildren's property for a residential home of their own, or it can go to um, them to purchase by to let in their own name. It could be just keep it in the business and we purchase more property. Like it has a reason. And the, I know it's cliche, but cash is always king. And this is what this product is. And then what I would also do for all my clients is write it into trust so you're not paying 40% inheritance tax. So I have a lot of people who they've got policies, which is great. And if it's not written into trust, it falls into part of your estate. So if you've got a portfolio and then you've got a life insurance on top of it, you're going to get taxed 40%. Right. So just, uh, just simplify uh, for those that might not quite understand what written into trust means. Does that mean setting up a trust fund policy simultaneously or does it mean something else i'm just trying to simplify yeah. as, as possible for people no good question so when you have your insurance policy that is written into trust so the insurance policy is written to trust if you get a separate trust that is separate but the reason why i feel the life insurance trust is more important because that's cash and you're always going to need cash fine so that makes sense so let's say for for argument's sake uh, we've got someone who's taken a life insurance policy written in trust. They get 
spat by a bus there you know that's that's always a way to go isn't it hit by a bus never hit by anything else uh, so they get they get hit by um they get hit by a bus and then the you know insurance terms conditions say that for whatever reason um so and so is due i don't know uh 150,000 pounds from their policy then obviously you know take out the bereavement itself then the beneficiaries of that then that's £150,000. They've been financially protected from their you know, spouse, dad, mum, whatever it is. And then they can use those funds as, you know, to do whatever they want to do with it, hopefully invest and, and use that wisely. But so you yeah. said, really what I'm getting from this, Adrian, is that in life so, well, apart from death and taxes, according to Benjamin Franklin, um, life can be quite uncertain. So actually thinking about these things, you need to be quite, practical because anything can happen at any given time obviously we joke about getting hit by a bus etc could happen at any point (laughs) what i'm getting from this is you need to be you need to be practical and this involves you know if you've got a family having a a serious conversation with with family if you haven't got family having a you know having a serious conversation with yourself and trying to get things in place that can benefit more people moving forward and, and as with anything yes there'll be not a cost because i don't like using that word there, there's an investment in that but that's where working with someone like you can cross the t's and dot the i's yeah so it's actually not a savings or an investment product um so i've got to be careful what what, what we're saying but it's just saying if something unforeseen was to happen then we have you know x amount of money that will help the, the people that are left behind basically um, but like I said before, if you said, look, I want my kids to go to a certain school, you know, if they want to go to uni at the time, all those things that cost a lot of money, it just relieves a lot of pressure. Um, so I know when we spoke, I think last week, I think we were talking about the Rockefeller family in America. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And they're on their 14th generation where one person, let's say they did 100,000, next generation did 200, like it keeps on going up and up and up and up and up. And the beauty of life insurance is you get to do what you want with that money. So some people might say, look, we're just going to clear the mortgage. We don't want to worry about it. We'll get the rental income, but we like, no one's going to take the asset off us because we own it. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Um, if you could say, look, we're going to use that, that money to get more buy to that properties. Like it's, it's up to the individuals left behind, but it just gives you financial options. I'd say when you wouldn't have, if you, if you didn't have the policy. Yeah, I, I understand that. And I just want to sort of clarify my point I made earlier on. Yes, I wasn't saying that it's an investment, you're going to get a return, et cetera, et cetera. So I probably should have used a better terminology there. So I'll, I'll hold my hands up to that. Um, okay, so we've got the four Ps. Um, is there, before we sort of wrap up and then get people to touch base for you, because this is important stuff we're talking about, is there anything... Um, I'm sure that any FAQs, is there something that you're you're normally asked that people are taken by surprise with? Uh, just to, again, just trying to cross the T's, dot the I's here. Yeah, actually how affordable it is. Because, okay. you know, we're not taught about this. And the reason why I've done loads of social media videos on it was because if I worked for all those big banks and consulting firms and no one said, hey, Adrian, have you got your will? You got your life insurance? Like, no one told me that stuff. You know, it was only until I got into this industry and I realized my life insurance policy I had already had um, wasn't written into trust. You know, they're written into trust now, but at the time I didn't. So, you know, why are you paying 4% inheritance tax when you don't have to? 
but it's an awareness piece and that's why you need you know specialist brokers so again with a property analogy you know if you're doing if you're getting you know certain mortgages or bridging you want to go to a specialist who knows what they're doing you know you're not going to go on a comparison site and i think this is why this is really important and because more retail banks are closing down there isn't access to this there aren't there are less you know experts that you can go in and talk to that's why I'm, I'm putting everything online and i have youtube channels where i explain all the products in like 30 seconds to a minute because it can be a lot for someone if you've never heard of this stuff before it might seem too good to be true or you know people always say you know the insurance never pays out i'm like well what is it for and if you check the firms that you know I, i'm a whole of market and independent i'm not tied to anyone you can go on their websites and see the statistics for it it's in the high 90s for you know life insurance and I always make sure my clients are medically underwritten. Mm -hmm. So for example, Robert, if you said you don't smoke and you smoke and you die, and you die of lung cancer, they're not going to pay out, right? Because you like certain stuff like that where people will blag it and then, but no one, but um, John down the pub says this and do you know what I mean? They're taking advice from John down the pub, right? Not someone who's worked in all these corporates that knows what he's, does that make sense? So I think there's a lot of stigma behind it. And I know it's not the sexiest and most interesting of products. And I never thought when I was on Wall Street at 22, I'd be doing this. But there's more of an impact me doing this than, than doing that. And also, again, the awareness piece, because I know how hard people are working to get their properties or, or whatever. Even if you don't have a property, life's expensive. I don't want if something negative was to happen to someone while they're alive, you know, you slip and fall out of the bath or whatever. You can't work for how many months your savings get obliterated, then you're going to be in a hole and then you get kicked out with the rent or you lose the, the the residential property you worked so hard for. All these things can be prevented and it's affordable. The reason why it's affordable, I will go through all your monthly expenditure like you would getting a mortgage mm -hmm. and then I'll look at your net amount, whatever it is. So I would never offer you a product that you couldn't afford. It's just people's mindset. So sometimes someone might say, oh, this policy is you know it's a lot but like what is it protecting right it's saying that you know you're gonna own that property outright and you don't have to worry about the lender taking off you some people want that they don't care about remortgaging or doing extra bit it's whatever is is a match for that that person or you know if you, something happens to you medically you want to be seen by the best doctors as quickly as possible mm -hmm. you know i think i went to private hospital i think december i got an x-ray and blood results same day that can't happen in HS. You know, I pay X amount a month, but to me, that is value. And I want to know because if you see the doctor and they say, oh yeah, we'll get back to you. Your brain goes crazy thinking about something. You're Googling stuff. You know, at one point I thought I had skin cancer because it all matched. Mom's like, it's just a rash. But <laughs> do you know what I mean? If you're self-diagnosed, like you're not a doctor, you're not the self-diagnosis. Yeah. So Google is a good thing and it's also a bad thing at the same time. So for me, it's just, well, those four things I've spoken about, it's just peace of mind. And a lot of times with clients with the back to affordability piece, it's less than dinner for two, that it's not going to break the bank. Like you're not going to really notice it, you know? Yeah. Again, that make, that makes sense. So I did have, um, when you mentioned about people saying insurance never pays out, that's the first thing when you said it, that resonated with me a hundred percent. Not that I've had issues ever with that before, but I imagine that's probably pushed back number one up after you know how much is it is going to be well insurance never pays out so it's, it's that stigma of um i guess it's that stigma of it but again as we say we said all the time uh, during 
you know, every podcast that we do, this is where working with professionals, people with experience, people like yourself, it's crucial. Then you just become part of the power team and then it's, it's impacting that knowledge, sharing that knowledge. And ultimately, you know, stuff like this is, it has to be pragmatic. It has to work for all parties and we're dealing with the element of, you just, you just don't know what's going to happen on, on any given day. Mm-hmm. And in terms of getting hold you, Adrian, because I'm sure there's people that are going to be listening to this thinking, well, you know, I might not be in property, but I want to actually, you know, speak to you and get some stuff sorted. How, how do people find you? How do people uh, get hold of you? How do people book something? Yeah. So Instagram is Adrian B finance. Um, if someone does want a complimentary consultation call, click the link tree. A link and then click the Calendly link and then we can go through everything. I also have a YouTube channel because I get sometimes the information is like, whoa, it's a lot. So that's why I've got loads of videos about it, um, the different products and the benefits of them. And then also Asian B Finance on Facebook. Fantastic. I will put links to all of that in the show notes. We'll put that link tree in there as well so people can get hold of you. Adrian, thanks for your time. I've learned a lot. I've been scribbling notes as you people watching a video of this would have seen. I've been scribbling notes as well. So I look forward to hopefully getting something set up with you in due course personally. And uh, yeah, I would say to people listening to this, uh, join us uh, or watch out for your podcast feed or watch out for your YouTube feed because we're going to at a later stage talk about uh, more property specific things that you can do but uh, until then um, adrian thank you very much for your time thanks robert thanks for listening to property nomads to help the podcast even more please do head over to patreon.com forward slash property nomads that's patreon.com forward slash property nomads mm-hmm.